Of course, the Lexus Golden Opportunity sales event is about exceptional offers, but it's also about the luxury of versatility and the freedom of a summer day coming together for you at the perfect moment. Lease the 2019 NX300 all-wheel drive for $369 a month for 36 months with $29.99 to a signing. Experience amazing at your Washington area Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer valid in the Lexus Eastern area only and in September 3rd, 2019. Welcome to the Jarjur Brothers podcast. You are listening to a pre-recorded version of our show, Son Sports, a daily debate show about sports. And I'm your co-host, Sammy Jarjur. And I'm George Jarjur. And we're coming at you recorded and direct from the Sant Live studios in sunny Everett, Washington. Also, do not forget to tune in to our live Facebook show Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Pacific time. You can tune in at facebook.com slash S-O-N-T live. And I'm glad to be here in Seattle, but stay cool, America. But first, please enjoy our intro music by Jacob West. We know why. We're back. We're good. Yep. Awesome. I see us on the screen. Hello, and welcome into episode 255 of Sant Live after some serious time of figuring out what the hell we're going to do with our uh, camera camera and the program. So, welcome in. Um, All right. We only got about an hour, so let's just talk really quick. I'm going to tell you, we're talking some intense World Series games. We're talking a crazy fun, you know weekend of sports with basketball baseball football college football awesome time to be alive um i'm your co-host sammy georgeur and i'm george georgeur and we're coming at you live and direct from the sound live studios in sunny everett washington thank you for joining us today whether that be on facebook.com sound live or on our personal periscopes i'm at g georgeur he's at georgeur sammy and we are finally coming at you live yeah we're here and it's exciting um halloween's coming up Tomorrow, we're going to try to get some fun uh, Halloween direct decorations over in the studio, so we'll look good tomorrow for Halloween, and uh, that's where we're at right now, and I'm uh, really excited to get talking about sports. What are we starting off with today, George? Uh, well, today we're going to start off by talking about the epic game, was that game five? Game five of a World Series, and when I say epic, I don't mean that in any means to be uh, an exaggeration. That was one of the best games I've ever seen in history of baseball. The back and forth, the drama, the amount of celebrations from the players, which I found it amazing that, you know, for once they let baseball players do emotion without, like, getting offended. But I think both teams were at it, and it was just fantastic. I had never seen a game like that before. Uh, in the World Series, especially 12 to 13, it was comeback after comeback, and I was just more than more than thrilled with the amount of action that there was. What what a day to be a baseball fan! And my real question is, I mean, I wonder how many people got to stay up and watch it on the East Coast. I mean, there's a, there was a very late game for East Coast folks. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those games that uh, if you're on the East Coast, well, we're talking till what time in the morning? Till two in the morning, the game's going. Right. So. It's kind of tough to stay up, tough to be there, but uh, I think it's a, it, it's one of those games that you could go back, watch the highlights, and you're not going to get the same feeling, but you'll really start to understand why some people are talking about this as being one of the best baseball games of all time, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
especially with the, I'm not saying there's never been a better baseball game, but with the impact of the game and it being the World Series, it makes it possibly one of the best games of all time. For people that, you know, uh, Devin, I know he's watching the show. He said he missed the game yesterday, but he's been trying to watch a little more of the series, getting you into baseball. Um, I know a big complaint of people that don't watch baseball is that the fact that it's such a like low-scoring, slow sport. Um, yesterday, if you don't watch baseball, that was a good game to learn or to see baseball and be like, oh, my God, there's 25 runs combined. 20, 25 runs combined, 13 to 12, yeah. 25 yeah. runs of combined runs. Uh, that's something that we're not going to see often in baseball, especially in the playoffs. Um, but it was a whole nother level. And that was, that's 25 runs when two teams have two, two Cy Young pitching guys, Keiko yeah. and Kershaw. Yeah. And you know, for me, it's just, I guess the one thing that I took out of that game is once again, Clayton Kershaw had an underwhelming, underwhelming performance in the playoffs and on the biggest stage. He pitched fantastically game one. This game would have been a chance, you know, to go up three to two, heading back to Los Angeles. I think he's going to have a chance to redeem himself game seven. And two things there I really saw. One is he's going to get that label as the Peyton Manning of baseball, the guy who's really uberly talented, who has some big moments, but sometimes kind of doesn't deliver under the enormous pressure. And number two, the manager took him out way too early. I mean, he got, what, pitched five innings? And I don't know if he took him out too early because he didn't want to, you know, he wanted to preserve him to do a pitch another game later on. But you, you got your ace out there. You you got to let him finish out the game and just, you know, put his, for black of a better word, put his legs on their neck and just end the Astros. But it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean... That's one of the things about yesterday's game specifically that was really interesting, obviously, with the whole play of Kershaw, their ace pitcher being out there. Everyone really thought that, you know, this may be a, this could be his real, real moment game. And that, you know, they're putting him out there to try to get a lead going to back to LA with the lead. Like they're, they, they were trying, they were trying to make a statement that we're going up three, two, because we have Kershaw on the mound. And unfortunately that took a sideways turn. Um, there is the whole th- other side of this conversation that, though, I found pretty interesting as a as a guy who tries to watch a lot of baseball. Right, like I deeply feel like I'm a I'm a good baseball fan. Um, you are, it, like you know me. I watch a lot of baseball. For for an average human being, I watch a ton of, and it might be Seattle Mariners baseball, right? Because most people watch more local baseball. But I'm a pretty well versed baseball fan. I saw a big problem with what they did coaching-wise, managing-wise. Um, I was not a fan of the fact that we have Clayton Kershaw out there, right? Clayton Kershaw, get this stat. You want to hear a good stat, George? I love good stats, Sam. Here's the t- statistic. Um, we have Clayton Kershaw who had, with a three or more uh, run advantage, mm-hmm. he is 101 in his career, okay? 101. Well, I mean, even a better stat, you said, I mean, that bullpen for the Dodgers was 98-0 and 0 if leading in the ninth inning or eighth inning or more, this, inning or more. this season. And, and the, the notion of all of this has kind of changed throughout this uh, yeah. World Series. But that's why I don't think you should take out Kershaw Me either. in that moment. Three-run game. He walked the guy, right? Runners on first and second. 
now this is all hypothetical, right? But numbers wise, what's a better uh, here's where the analytics get a little weird cuz analytics would say okay, you take them out in that point. But playoff baseball, it's a different game right now. This is playoff baseball. You have probably the best pitcher in the planet. Yeah, he's regarded as the best pitcher in the planet. Maybe the best pitcher in the last 20 years. Yeah, the best pitcher on the planet is on the mound. Yeah, there's two runners on, but I'd rather put the ball in his hands, even if he's struggling, to get us out of that jam than bring in a guy out of the bullpen. And these guys have gone three days straight, all these bullpen guys. At least Kershaw's off some rest, even though a starting pitcher throws more pitches. But mm-hmm. these bullpen guys are playing every day now. And you bring in Maeda, and he lets up this home run. I know. It, for brutal, me, absolute I, brutal. Yeah, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe Kershaw would have given up a home run too. But from just being a baseball fan, I have my ace on the mound. Three-run game. I know there's runners on first and second, but let the guy pitch that the rest of that inning. If he blows that lead, he blows that lead. But the fact that you have a guy that's 98-1 in his career with a three-run lead or more, he or 101, sorry, 98-1 was the other stat, 101, 100 wins and one loss. Yeah, he blew that first four-run lead he had. What are the chances he blows it again, even with his arm getting maybe a little more tired? I would have, I would have ran with my starter, and I think – a lot of baseball fans would have liked to see them run with him, especially like you said. It's in a time of this is his moment. Yeah, it's not just that. I mean, the way I tend to look at it, Sam, is the guy literally is an ace. And I feel like when you, as, a, as a coach, I mean, I'd rather die with my ace in hand than, you know, fold with, or for lack of better words, you know, go all in with bad with a bad hand. I mean, you have the best pitcher on the mound. I'd rather keep it in him a couple pitches too long and have the, the fans and the media criticize me that, oh, you should have took him in and brought in the bullpen. Then you could at least come back and say, eh, well, it's Clayton Kershaw. He's the best, pit, he's the best pitcher on the planet. I'm going to ride with him. But no, instead, you did it the most conservative way possible, and you brought in a reliever who just ended up costing you the game and maybe cost you a chance to win the World Series for the first time since the 1980s. Uh, I, I don't know if now the Dodgers have to go protect you know Dodger Stadium win the next two games. It's going to be tough. I'm not saying it can't be done. But that's a moment taking out Kershaw that we might look back at and say this is what turned around the series for the Astros and what won them the World Series. Yeah, and I, I, I feel that same exact way. And that's where it's interesting. And I mean, just as a baseball fan, like I said, and a guy who's obviously a fan of the Dodgers right now, mm-hmm. at that moment, let me see if Kershaw closes this out or, not, or gets out of this jam. Like, really, that's at the end of the day, that's one of the biggest things is let me see if he can do it or not. 100%. Um, Couldn't agree more with you. All right. Um, but one of the most compelling games of all time, baseball-wise. I mean, if you're, if you're not a baseball fan and you were trying to start now, it's a good time to start. Um, I did hear a statistic on Colin Cowherd show today. I don't know if you heard this. No. That it is a – they got a 50-fold in both L.A. and Astro on TV. Like 50% of the population in Houston and 50% of the population, like per the Nelson numbers, was watching in those cities the and game. It's pro- and it's probably more than that even because the Nelson number doesn't really take into account how many people are out at the bar and all that too. And how many people are illegally streaming it. Or illegally or- streaming the games. And it's just fantastic for baseball. It's a little bit of a baseball renaissance Yeah, that uh, you know a lot of people didn't expect at this time. But when you have guys like Altuve, Springer, Yassiel Puig, Clayton Kershaw, guys who show emotion, guys who kind of push that envelope a little bit, and that's what millennials like. We don't like to watch – 
you know, um, for I no mean to pick on Chase Utley, but that you know, traditional baseball player, you don't slide hard to second base. You don't when you hit a home run, you put your head down and you trot across the base. Like people don't want to watch that. We want to watch guys like um, was it uh, Correa when he hit his home run, turned yeah. around, looked at his dugout, and gave a fist pump. You want to see George Springer going crazy around first base. You want to see Yasiel Puig staring at the home run a little. That's why this World Series is doing better, by the way. It's That's two why. young teams and. There was nothing cooler than I thought yesterday, and I was rooting for the Dodgers. But, like, honestly, I don't think, regardless if you're a Dodgers fan or a Houston fan, you enjoyed last night. I mean, 100%. I've heard Dodger fans on the radio, like, that work in some L.A. sports talk that have been, like, as much as I'm a big-time Dodgers fan, like, that was one of the most fun Dodgers games I've ever seen, even though they lost. And, like, Correa, when he hit the game-tying home run, and like you said, he stopped running to the base, turned around, looked at his dugout, jumped in the air and gave one of like it was almost like that michael jordan when he beat cleveland with yep. that game winner where he jumped in there gave the fist bump and then finished the bases mm-hmm. that's a lot cooler than seeing a guy hit a home run and be like yeah just kind of fist around. bump it and go so it was fantastic i, I mean, thought it was it, awesome. it was just it was great tv and it goes to show like that was the maybe the best sports weekend in history of sports weekends i've ever been a part of or ever got to see. I mean, Friday night we had some fantastic NBA games where, you know, the Wizards and the Warriors played. Uh, Draymond got in a fight, and then they... Uh, and the World Series was the on. The World Series was on. And then Saturday you had the World Series and Ohio State, Penn State, which, I mean, you cannot say enough about how fantastic of a college football... Maybe the best college football game of the season. Then you had Sunday... The morning games were so shitty in the NFL, but then you got followed up by the Texans and Seahawks, which might have been the best NFL game so far this season, followed by the Entertainment best, wise, yeah. best World Series game maybe of all time. I mean, God bless October. Yeah, and uh, like what a time. And then tomorrow we're back at the World Series, game six. Yep. Exciting. Um, a lot of people probably have Halloween. Um, Extravaganzas. I, I've been hearing a lot of like, uh, on even on like Twitter, like old people are gonna like people have like young kids are gonna be pissed off tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I gonna manage this one? Well, on the East Coast, it's fine. It's like seven o'clock. The game's eight eight thirty on the East Coast. Oh yeah, Pacific. So people will be able to literally take their kids and at six o'clock, take them trick or treating for an hour and a half or two hours. The home by eight. Tell your kids. Eat as much fucking candy as you can. Hopefully they fall asleep. asleep. Watch the game. And then watch again. Unless your kid likes baseball too. True. But, um, all right. A uh, couple comments here. We had, uh, oh, man, I lost the order. Of course I did. But Sammy, Michael says, hi, boys. Good to be back. What is up, my man? Um, Devin was saying hi to everybody in the names that are usually on the show. I like that. Um, Thomas says, I disagree. I think you say, he said that after my Kershaw comment that I'd rather see Kershaw go in. Um, you agreed with that, right? Thomas Bright disagrees. I think, you, he, I think he's thinking stick to the analytics. I mean, the only argument I have is the Dodgers are this good by being managed by sticking to analytics. Yeah, but the analytics also don't take everything, take in everything into account as far as, first of all, their relievers were pitching on three straight days. And number two, the pressure of a World Series is a lot different than the pressure of the analytics on, you know, a Tuesday in July. Yeah, I agree a lot. There's a lot of different factors. And Kofi Kingskid says, Sammy, where are you? Your Cavs lost to the Knicks. I know. We'll get to that. Yeah. 
Cleveland, the the Cleveland Cavaliers, Africa, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Golden State Warriors have a combined like losing record, and it's not because of just one team this year. It's because both are not. I mean, I, I think they're both fine. It's I think it's interesting that you have a three and four Cavs team and a four and three Warriors team to start this year. Um, tells me a couple of things about the. Uh, NBA though, and Thomas Bright says Kershaw was off though. Let me tell. I, I have. My, my, I think sometimes, Tom, you know this, and me and Thomas go way, way back. And uh, I was, you know, Thomas is the second greatest uh, three-point shooter in Sammamish high school basketball history. It's four after me, but um, and congratulations to his wedding once again. Uh, as we said earlier on the show, we'll be live streaming from Las Vegas for uh, during. Uh, you know, the day before Thomas Bright's wedding. But Thomas, you know, as a shooter, you can be off all game. You can be two for 10 from three point line. But if you're the best shooter, you're taking that 11 shot and you think you're going to make it. And that, even though Kershaw was off, he has the best stuff. You want the best guy or the best shooter to take the last shot. And that's the way I look at Clayton Kershaw. I don't care if he was off. If he's the man and he's the best pitcher of our generation, I want the ball in his hand. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's how I see it, too. I agree 150% with you, George, on that. Thank you. Um, Do you agree I'm the best shooter in Sammamish High School basketball history? Minus that part. Okay. I think uh, you're probably... Um, Top one. I'll put you at fourth. Wow, okay. I'm going to go um, one, Jacob West, two, Thomas Bright, um, and then me and you had a resounding three. To get to, we're tied for third. I'm, uh, I think... If I had one shot and I and my life was on the line, I'm giving it to myself. I would probably too, but that doesn't mean I'm the best. <laughs> Maybe the best confidence. Um, the most confident. And Devin know. agrees with you on that, George. Yeah. Game on the line. You got to do what you got to do. And yeah. Thomas says, okay, okay. Yeah. And uh, Devin also says, uh, Packers, this is in quotes. I don't know who quoted this. Did Packers reach out to Brett Favre for a one-year deal out of retirement to give the Packers a content? Contending chance for a Super Bowl? No, is that true? I'm Googling Brett Favre's name. I would really hope that's like a joke. I, I really hope that's true. You I, think it is? So far, there's nothing about there. All right. So that was, I think that was a, maybe that's a Devin, Devin Mark statement. Maybe, yeah, know. Devin Mark, reported by Devin Mark. Reported by yourself. I like that. Um, all right. He said, ha, ha, ha. So I think it's, I think it's a joke. I'm all right. I'm still looking, bro. Where are we at? Epic World Series, what's next? Um... There was some fantastic football, and Sweet CC says hello, guys. What's up, Sweet CC? What's good? Um, okay, so there was also some epic football. I mean, use the word epic for the rest of today, just because I wrote that down. And shout out to because Ruby it was an epic Sunday. It was. Um, Houston Texans. We're still talking Houston uh, versus the Seattle Seahawks, and probably the, the easily the best game of a weekend, maybe the best game of. The NFL season thus far. Um, okay, so the the they were up four, right? The Texans with the ball. I think it was four points, and they could run out the clock essentially by getting a first down. Thirty-four to 38. thirty-one. Thirty-four to thirty-eight. Thirty-four to thirty-eight. They're up four points with the ball. First down, they run the ball up the middle. Second down, they run the ball up the middle. Third down. You gotta give Deshaun Watson a chance to make a play, whether it's a throw, a run, 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 throw, read option, whatever it is. Deshaun Watson should be the one who decided that game. The guy played phenomenal football. The guy was on fire the whole game. 
And Bill O'Brien took the ball out of his hands on third and four and ran the ball right up the middle of Lamar Miller, who got stuffed. Seahawks get the ball back and went down the field and scored. So I think Bill O'Brien cost that game for the Houston Texans. I, I mean, I hate to blame it all on the coach, but he coached such a masterful game by being aggressive the whole game against maybe the best defense in the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks. And then when the game is on the line, he abandoned the aggressive play and went super conservative. And that cost him the game. I really believe that's what cost him the game. Yeah, I mean, I actually strongly agree. I was talking about this on my show as well, that, um, you know, there's so many different ways to look at this. But one of the first ways I looked at it was if you asked the Seattle Seahawks, Mm -hmm. what play would you (laughs) prefer them to run? In general, what's give me a choice of one play you want them to run, right? You I know what they would run choose? Run the ball off the middle. Run the ball off the middle against maybe the most talented. I don't know if they're best statistically right now, but the most talented, mm-hmm. um, star-studded defensive line in football. Yep. Run it up the middle with them, and I'll trust them to, to stop your running back. That's what the Seahawks would choose if given the option. Absolutely. And that's exactly what they did. I, it, it, it's mind-boggling. Take Deshaun Watson, put him on a bootleg, mm-hmm. And let him either make the right throw or use his very high standard of athleticism that is higher than most people out in the quarterback realm out of any quarterback in the NFL and get the first down or at least get closer to it. I would have if I think if you put the put him in a bootleg to do whatever he has to do, I could almost guarantee you that he could have found a way to get more than two yards. And I, I, I think I mean I trust him more to get two yards. I mean I'm glad they didn't as a Seattle Seahawks fan. Agree. But God, man, do you you, you're aggressive all game, and that's what you're going to do at the end of a game. There's no reason to do that. You need to give a chance for your quarterback to go and win that game for you because he had, he'd won that game for you. Your defense made a big play. You had all the momentum in the world, and you run the ball three times right up the middle. I mean, how uninspiring. I just, I found it disgustingly, disgustingly scared. I mean, what, what are you scared he's going to turn over the ball? Are you telling him you don't trust him? I mean, What's the point of doing that? You can't always go by the books in in football. It just made no sense to me. And hey, it might cost the Houston Texans their whole season. They follow three and four now instead of four and three. Um, Luckily for them, their division is weak. But otherwise, I mean, you had a chance to go above five hundred, and you wasted a performance. But Deshaun Watson became the first quarterback in the history of the NFL to throw for four hundred yards run for 50 yards and throw four touchdowns in one football game. And you wasted that performance by being too conservative on third down. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, they're a team that I think with a, with a win would have been tied for the top of their mm-hmm. division with a rookie quarterback that himself could look at, think about it himself and say, man, I almost went into Foxborough and beat the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And then I came to Seattle and beat the Seahawks. Yeah. And now he's probably on a, you know, positive note, and I, I think I'm not worried about this game for him mentally. I think he's oh, me either. very talented and uh, good quarterback mentally, physically, every, everything about him. Um, but that's a big loss to have when, you know, you could tie in your division. Now you put yourself a game behind, maybe a game and a half behind, whatever it is. Correct. Um, obviously, would have preferred to see him in a situation where they were getting that win if I was a Texans fan, let's say. Um, but I, th- I see you got to throw the ball there sometimes. I think it's almost like we were talking about the managing of uh, Dave Roberts, right? You can't get too conservative. Can't get too conservative. Don't overthink it. Um, I see Devin in the comments said uh, that first that third down was a play action would have been a first down. 
that moment reminded me of the Pats Seahawks Super Bowl. They hoed Marshawn Lynch. That's a good example. I mean, we're talking about coaches that are overthinking things, right? Right. And that's Seahawks Super Bowl. You could have just put the ball on Marshawn's hand, who was just demolishing everybody, right? 100%. Make him go down the middle. You could have put the balls in Sean Watson's hand in that situation. In the baseball game, I think you should have put a, you should have put it on, uh, put it in Kershaw's hands. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I mean, everyone has different opinions on all these different things, but um, yeah, it's easy to sit here on the on these chairs and now say, oh, that's what they should have done. I mean, also let's say they threw the ball to Sean Watson, it was incomplete, and they're like, you didn't make the Seahawks use their timeout, or if they left Kershaw in too long and gave up an over home run. Oh my God, you, his arm was almost out. Like, it's easy to sit here, but I like to lean on the aggressive side when making those type of decisions. Yeah, and, I mean, that's – I think the aggressive side is what's going to win you. Nobody that has, like, the weak side of, of anything in this situation, I think in sports especially, if you're going on the extremely conservative side, I don't really see how that's going to be helpful for your team at all. Um, so that's, that's where I think – this weekend, we see we just I, I feel like I saw a lot of that. Just too much conservative play of, in baseball and football and et cetera. And, you know, sometimes you just got to – I know there's certain numbers that tell you things, but I feel like sometimes intuition helps too. Intuition really does help. Like go with your gut. Sometimes you just got to go with – Go with your gut. Go what wins you games, and that's not. But uh, here's another question now that we're on the NFL uh, topic, right? Was that the worst NFL morning Sunday you've remembered in your life? I can't tell you that. I've told you that. I told you that earlier. I just um, that, that you remember at least. Yeah, not that bad. No, no. I feel like the whole NFL season, the morning games, haven't been that great. To be honest, last week was good. For that, there's been a lot of bad weekends. So I'll tell you, it was boring. But I'm not gonna tell you it was the worst. Okay, fair enough. And Thomas disagrees that taking Kershaw out isn't conservative. I think it's being conservative. I mean, Tom, how is it not being conservative? When you have the best pitcher in baseball and you're worried about his pitch count, basically, or if his arm is not pitching too well. Or if he's off right now. Or if he's off right now, I think that airs on the side of conservative. I think uh, when you bring in your bullpen, you're saying he's out of gas. Uh, I don't think he should throw any more pitches. That's why I say it's conservative. Now... And also, it almost says, hey, we need to save his arm for more pitches in Game 7. I mean, if, I wouldn't be shocked. If Kershaw's what we think Kershaw is, and that's one of the best pitchers of all time, he better be starting Game 7 if there's a Game 7. Yeah, but but this is why I call it conservative. Because um, I understand why it wouldn't be conservative in some senses. It's you're following the book, which I guess is not that yeah. But that, that is kind of conservative. Yeah. I'm playing it by, he, they were playing it by the books. But why I see it conservative is I think they did it for the exact reason. They're saying, oh, well, we should watch pinch cow in case there's a game seven. Mm-hmm. I think instead of going on that route, you should go with the route that, like, we need to win this game yeah. and do whatever it takes to see if he can get out of this jam instead of worrying about, oh, game seven. Because exactly. what if you don't get to game seven because you lose this game and the next one? And then I you agree. might look back and say, Man, could I have just left Kershaw? Maybe Kershaw would have got us out of that jam, mm-hmm. which even if we lost game six, then we'd be back in game seven with Kershaw on the mound. Because let me tell you this. One thing that uh, I think um, one thing that I think is not that uh, pleasant for Dodgers fans is the fact that now you have a, you're down 3-2, and even though you're going home, you see Justin Verlander tomorrow. 
Yeah, and uh, and he's and been pretty he has, much lights ju- out. This Justin Verlander <laughs> has not lost a game since be, since joining the Houston Astros. He got no decision in Game Two of a World Series. Uh, I think he left down three to one at the point of a game when he left, right? Who? Uh, Verlander. He was down. You said down three. I think so. Something yeah, like that. but he still didn't get the loss. He hasn't lost one game yet. Um, obviously, it's a must-win for the Do- for the Dodgers if they lose the series is over. But I kind of feel like it's a must-win for the Astros too. I cannot foresee. I I could be totally wrong, but I don't think the Astros want to get to a game seven. I think they want to close it out tomorrow and literally just get this series over with because a game seven versus most likely Clayton Kershaw in Los Angeles with that home crowd. And with the recent struggles for Houston on the road in this postseason, it's not what they want to be in. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, this is a bad situation for the Dodgers. Yes, but let's. Do you think the Astros need to win Game Six to close out the series? Right? I do. Can you see the Astros winning a Game Seven against Kershaw in Los Angeles? Most of the time, I say no. Yeah. But you never know. I mean, mm-hmm. if you would have told me two years ago. Am I going to see, uh, like, like the Cavs beat the Warriors, for example, in Golden State two years ago? Yeah. That's pretty, like, I think that was even less of a chance than, like, an Astros team winning in L.A. So, I mean, we've seen it happen sometimes. Playoffs, baseball, basketball, football, like, I mean, the reason everyone loves it in these sports is you can never write these scripts the way they right. end up working out. Especially I mean, last night. Yeah, you couldn't write that one. I mean, but one of the best things about last night is when I was sitting there, and I'm like, all right, they're down three in the ninth inning. For some reason, usually at that point, probably it's like almost 10, 30, 11. I'm like, yeah, I should probably go to sleep. Yeah. For some reason, I was sitting there like, yeah, the Dodgers can come back. And, even though, and they did. And Puig gets a home run. And I'm like, okay, now what are the chances that they scored two runs and it's still not enough? Now they have to score a third run in this inning to, to tie the game? And they did. And they did. And, of course, it was an ex-Mariner. And they brought up the trade. Oh, they got him practically for nothing. A steal from the Mariners. And I was like, great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Seattle Mariners, for awesome. finding a way to, to fuck it up. To make my life not happy. A um, uh, couple comments before we move on. Yep. Thomas said, how about that post-game performance, though? Who's? Thomas Bright asked, how about that post-game performance? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I, can't, I, I was told not to talk about that because I don't want to ruin it. No, you were surprise. told not to show the video. I know. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make it more speculative. It's it's not as secretive as he's trying to make speculative. Secretive, speculative, same difference, but... No, it's not. Uh, we watched... Your, your word was correct. Mine wasn't speculative. Okay. That's right. It's not the right word okay. for that. Secretive. All right. Um, we got to see his uh, his wedding. First His dance. first dance for his wedding. And we know the song. It's, it's too big of a secret. Um, Thomas also said, taking Kershaw out isn't conservative. Oh, no, we already read that. Right they said East Coast weather was horrible, though. It was. But that's horrible for most of the years. Yeah. And Thomas also said, move on. Move on from his dance. Um, Devin said, I don't know. It has been boring. Uh, we still have two teams who are 0-8. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Niners haven't won either. Yeah, and the Niners looked horrible yesterday. They, I mean, just those games yesterday. The only game that was really that compelling was the Chargers in New England. Uh, Chargers, yeah, in New England. Yeah, I... Football's been. I, I'm so. It's crazy how much we've like. I don't know any other year where the majority of like sports talk radio and, and publicity is on like 
even like the even with the World Series, it's usually not all over the World Series. Like right now, sometimes basketball topics right now are bigger than NFL, and it's 100%. one week into the season, and and we're having baseball topics that are bigger than both the NBA and the NFL. Right. Which and, but I think, is great for America, I think. But I think so too. And once a playoff start in the NFL, we know we'll be talking right back into it. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And Devin said, I'm not even a baseball fan, but based off what I'm hearing, it sounds pretty conservative. Maybe he didn't want Kershaw to throw the game like Darvish did the other night. And I think by throw the game, I mean he means not like purposely, yeah, yeah. like to, to to fuck it up. Um, and that's I agree with that. why, yeah, but that's why he did it. But it's your ace, man. You could just give him the ball. You gotta believe in him at that point, in my eyes, at least. Yeah, but he's a pain manning in baseball. That's harsh. No, it's not. Pain Actually, pain manning like top five. He's had ever. some. Very big moments in big in like pressure pack situations, but he's also folded a couple times under pressure. And Clayton Kershaw's done that both. He's had some huge moments, and sometimes he, he just fails to live up to his billing in big moments. All right, I believe it. What do we got next, though? All right, uh, what do you think of that Ohio State game? Uh, Ohio State Penn State game, Sam, the other night. Um, for those of you who didn't watch, we were lucky enough to have also the best college football game of the season probably as well on Saturday. Uh, Ohio State down 11 points with under five minutes left. Found a way to score three times. They didn't even get the two-point conversion. They found a way to score three times in the last five minutes to come back and win the game against Penn State. They didn't cover the spread. But it bolts Ohio State all the way up to number three in the AP pool, which I kind of disagree with. I don't know how you have... Ohio State ranked above Oklahoma, who beat Ohio State, and they both have one loss. Um, so I guess my question to you, Sammy, I mean, tomorrow afternoon they released the first official college football playoff rankings um, in the afternoon, I think right before the World Series, like during the World Series pregame shows when they release it. Who's your top four if the playoffs started today? I mean, if I'm just looking at the playoffs right now today. Um, Not I, who do you think is going to be there, but like who's your top four? My top four, um, to be honest, right now my top four would have to be, first and foremost, Alabama and Georgia. Um, simply, I don't think anyone needs to argue the Alabama one, right? Right. Alabama's number one. Um, Georgia, do I think Georgia's going to end up in the playoffs? No. Me too. Um, actually, a better way to say that is I'm not going to try to make statements or predictions yet because I don't, I don't, the season hasn't folded out yet. Um Either Georgia or Alabama will not be in the playoffs. Um, it depends on who wins that game. So they're going to play each other most likely in that SEC championship game. And I don't want to sit here and say who's going to win. I don't know. I'd probably bet on Alabama. I haven't seen enough or studied enough, and that game's not anytime near. But I don't think you have those two teams play on a mutual field. That's like a playoff game, right? So the difference with the Ohio State-Penn State deal, right, is they actually played in Ohio State. Yeah. That's a that's an advantage. And so now they both have one losses. I, as of right now, I'm going to say um, Georgia, Alabama. Well, Alabama, Georgia. Ohio State mm-hmm. and Notre Dame. That's my top four. Okay. Notre Dame's only loss is to Georgia, who is you know part of that undefeated top two teams. But if I had to pick by the end of the season who I think it will lay out to be, yeah. I'm going to go with Alabama, Ohio State, Penn State, mm-hmm. or Clemson. I'm still deciding, but I don't know which one yet. 
Ohio, uh, Penn State or Clemson will make it in there, depending on what happens and with the rest of the unfolding. And I'm going to go with Notre Dame as that last team. But, of course, that being said, that means Notre Dame has to we're complete not. these their trips to, trip to Miami. I think they have a trip to where, Clemson? No, to uh, Stanford. Stanford. Stanford and Miami. They have to win those games to be part of that. But if they continue on the track and their only loss is to a Georgia team whose Georgia's only loss will be to Alabama at that point, mm-hmm. I think Notre Dame is going to be one of those teams that slides you, in. I mean, that's going to be such a controversial moment in college football when Georgia loses to Alabama and has one loss and Notre Dame has one loss to Georgia, but Notre Dame gets in and Georgia doesn't get into the college football playoff, which I think is totally fair. I mean, I think that Alabama-Georgia game in the SEC championship on a neutral field is a playoff game. I mean, technically it is, but I mean, you're going to have a lot of angry people around college football if Notre Dame and Georgia both have one loss and Notre Dame's loss is to Georgia and Georgia's not into the college football playoffs. Uh, so I think college, I think Notre Dame will lose one more game here on out. But my final four right now is Bama, obviously number one, Georgia number two. I have Oklahoma at number three. I mean, they have one loss and they beat Ohio State at Ohio State, and I have Ohio State at number four. And just missing out, I have um, Notre Dame at five and Georgia at six. I'm uh, sorry, and uh, Penn State at six. Yeah, I mean, here's my 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 total thought of this is though. I mean, like Georgia, if they lose. To Alabama on a neutral field mm-hmm. by like twenty points, they're not going to put him in the playoffs. But would they put in Notre Dame who lost to Georgia? Possibly. Yeah, I know. Um, it is weird. I do but, agree with you. But you just can't. You can't tell me that. Um, well, Alabama and Georgia on a neutral field is literally like a playoff game. It's it like is. it's like pretending this is the one versus four seed. If Georgia upsets them, Alabama is. Here's the other question though: Would they? Take out Alabama if Alabama lost to Georgia? Probably not. See, that's where I think if Georgia lost, they'd take him out. Mm-hmm. If Alabama lost, they'd probably be like, maybe Alabama's like the second best team in the world right now, and Georgia's really the number one. Yeah. No, so that's where I'm a little confused. Because I'd be a little shocked if you have a one-loss Ohio State team in there and they wouldn't have a one-loss Alabama team in there. But I wouldn't be shocked if a one-loss Georgia team got the boot. Yeah, well, one thing that shocks me is the AP pulls – Lack of respect for Oklahoma, who seems like, I mean, I don't understand how they're not in the top three or four teams right now in the country. If after and Ohio State is, I mean, they beat Ohio State at Ohio State pretty handedly, and their only losses to an Iowa State team that we thought was bad. Like, oh man, that's a bad loss, but they just went in and uh, TCU lost to them, so they're actually a legit team. I think they're ranked now 15th in the AP poll, so they're a real team. They have two losses. I think Oklahoma, I think they play Oklahoma State in a couple weeks. They still play TCU. I think if Oklahoma wins out, they're in. Uh, I think the University of Washington has a very outside chance. I think Clemson, if they win out, is in. Uh, I think there's still a lot to be, a lot of stories that haven't been told yet in the college football season. But I think the one story we do know is Ohio State's probably, along with Alabama, the two best teams in the country. I know they've lost, but as far as talent-wise, I don't think there's two more talented teams than Alabama and Ohio State. Now, does that mean Ohio State's going to be went out and go into the playoffs? No, it doesn't mean that, but I just think we saw that talent on the field. I mean, they outgained, they outplayed, and they basically destroyed Penn State on both sides of the ball. And But the, the amount of turnovers by that team and fumbles and bad special teams, 
cost them a chance to win that game handedly. That's why it was a one-point game. They, 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 I think they had almost double the yardage and double the time of possession. And they held Saquon Barkley to what? 50 yards on 21 carries? Who's sorry that? They, they, Saquon, Saquon Barkley had 21 carries for like 51 yards. Um, Something like that. But yeah. he had that like 70-something yard kick return. Kick return. Yeah, that was saying special teams. Um, so the Seahawks, sorry, I just got a notification. The Seahawks have officially traded for offensive tackle Dwayne Brown from the Texans. I called that. For who? I don't know for who. That's where, I mean, a lot of people called that. You didn't call that. I know. That was, that's been like a giant news story, but everyone said it was going to be for Jimmy Graham. And I'm, I'm thinking that would be part of the headline if it was for Jimmy Graham, correct? Yeah, I'm going to do so. You keep we got a, but we have a Dane Dane Archer saying happy Monday, boys. Happy what Monday. is up, Dane? Dane can watch the show again because it's at a time that works for him. Right. So congratulations to Dane. Thank you, Dane. Uh, Sammy, Penn State yardage two eighty three, Ohio State yardage five twenty nine. I mean, I've just that was just the special teams. It was special teams. Right, Sorry, my mind would my mind just yeah went I'm, to the I'm also to Dwayne Brown. Uh, Thomas Bright said wow on uh on uh, the comments as well. Um, I don't know for for those. I mean, Dwayne Brown for the Seahawks. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Huge, I mean, to get one of the better offensive linemen um, in the entire NFL for the Seahawks. That's a big deal. I'm I'm pretty stoked about this. I would like to see the details. I wonder who they have to give up, but um, because obviously uh, it's not it's not for Jimmy Brand. Brown or for Jimmy Graham, right? Well, we don't know that. Well, wouldn't that be part of the headline? It's Adam Schefter who's tweeting this out. Yeah, but wow, now, this is huge news. I mean, this can upgrade Seattle to the best team in the league. And Dane said four o'clock, right when I get for the win, right when I get off. LOL. And Thomas said, "Is it true?" Um, According to Adam, Schefter, Adam Schefter said Seattle is traded for OT Dwayne Brown. Sources tell ESPN Brown is out of Houston and will go to Seattle. Um, Let's see. Um, that's like the only thing because he's, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty true, but nobody's saying for who. Yeah, Ian Rappaport just reported it too. Uh, no one is saying for who. You're right. This is a massive help for Seattle. This is all right. Well, we're I, hopefully here in the next 10 minutes, we'll find out who it's for. Usually, um, you know, that's kind of a big part of trades is like, let us know who got traded from the Seahawks to get one of the better players in the NFL. But yeah. if that's their position, it'd be you'd assume we traded something for him. Yeah, neither do I, and that's so. I would like to see a. Oh, sorry, a computer making noise freaks me out. As we all know, what could happen when the computer makes noise? Um, and Dane Lee said a huge, or Dane Arch said a huge part of the trade. LOL. Yeah, knowing like who who did the Seahawks send? Yeah, I mean if if uh, I'm excited right now, but if and I know this didn't happen, but if we got on our comments, if Seattle Seahawks acquired Dwayne Brown for Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, and Russell Wilson. It'd be a different reaction than a different for reaction a third round pick. For like, a third round pick. Even like if we traded Jimmy Graham, who I don't think is that vital for our team, but yeah. we saw him score two touchdowns this week, and he's one of the better tight ends in the NFL. I'd say like, oh damn, we gave up Jimmy Graham. Exactly. Like we don't have a. A top-notch tight end anymore? That'd be a big deal. 100%. So Dwayne Brown, great ad, but 
can, can I know who we gave up? But uh, we might see the running game produce more than two yards because of this. Yeah. And Russell Wilson might not get hurt. Eventually. Yeah, he might be running for his life anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dane Archer said, I'm excited unless we gave up like Wagner or something, LOL. Yeah, that's George's point. Like, yeah, if they're like, oh, Earl Thomas or Dwayne Brown, I'm like, eh, I kind of like Earl Thomas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I think it's going to be, in my opinion, it'll end up being for Jimmy Graham. That's how, I, it's kind of how I feel. It is. And Devin Mark said, wasn't Graham on the Saints? I'm tripping. Yep. It was. Jimmy Graham has been on the Seahawks for two years now, though. But it's the same Jimmy Graham from the Saints, yes. He's on the Seahawks, and he's been for two years. But his last last year was his first full year with the Seahawks, right? Because the year before, he tore something in his knee, mm-hmm. right? He broke his leg. Broke his leg. Slash, um, that comment by Devin, from a guy that does not live in Seattle, that shows how much the Seahawks have used Jimmy Graham since his arrival in Seattle. Yeah, he's been underutilized, to say the least. And, yeah, to say the least. All right. All right. Sorry, I moved this off of the college football, but fair enough. Um, well, let's talk a little bit NBA, and I'm going to keep my eye out for the rest of the show on if there's any updates on who the trade is for. Perfect. All I right, love Sammy. it, Sammy. Um, you, you're kind of you're our uh, resident NBA uh, expert here. It's all live NBA analyst, Sammy Georgia. Um, what do you think of the Cavaliers and Warriors' struggle so far this season? All right. Um, uh, pretty simple. Yeah. So there's a few things here. Um, obviously, we have a couple losses in a row from the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, and we have a 4-3 and three start by the Warriors, which is a third of the losses they had two years ago um, already into the season. So it's a little interesting start to the NBA season. You have teams like the Orlando Magic at 5-2 and two ahead of the East, who's supposed to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. Cleveland has um, a couple quality wins and then have lost to teams like the Knicks, the Nets, um, in the Magic, and then they have a loss to the Pelicans, which wasn't too bad of a, a loss. Um, but, you know, that's where the season's been very interesting to start. And I have a couple theories. I know, obviously, these players want to win, but I'm just starting to feel like the NBA is becoming a little bit of this um, this league where their stars are becoming a little entitled to the point where they know how little importance it is for them to win to start the year. And they can kind of play around with lineups, play around with the energy that they're giving. I mean, you have a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron James could be given a lot more effort than he is. And I can say that from a box, from just from the box score standpoint. I mean, we know what LeBron James can do if he gives it 110%. We see it in the finals every year. We know he could put up 35, 11, and 11 if he wants every single game. And that's where these worries sometimes become less of worries for me because, sure, LeBron James is not putting up triple-double numbers, but he can if he really wanted to, and I know he will when the time matters, and that's kind of the same for the Warriors. So maybe a Steph Curry um, not – maybe he's averaging 29, but is he maybe playing the most efficient basketball he can possibly play? I don't think so. What do you think about that? Well, I think LeBron James knows that – doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's being, not being judged on what goes on in uh, October in the regular season or November in the regular season and not even December, January, February, March. He's decided his his legacy is about what happens in the NBA finals and beyond. I mean, NBA playoffs and beyond. 
Does he win championships? That's all that matters for LeBron James' legacy. So do you blame LeBron James if the media critics and all that are going to sit out here and say, I don't care what LeBron does in a regular season. He can average a goddamn triple-double and average 50 points a game. And if he doesn't win a championship, it's a failure of his season. So I think he's just kind of coasting, kind of figuring out his team. Um, You'll see some cryptic tweets coming out of him here in the next few days that – we're all going to freak out. Um, and it, it, I still believe the guy's leaving after this season. But I don't think that means he's going to have a bad season here. That, I don't think that matters. There's, I think there's no relative tie-in between LeBron James having a subpar season in the regular season and him leaving. I just don't think he really thinks the regular season is that important. He might as well pace himself. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the truth. And... and no matter what anyone has to say about it, LeBron and company knows that kind of no matter what seed they're going to end up being, they'll probably be fine in that yep. in the Eastern Conference. I mean, if Cleveland somehow, which this is not even going to happen, that's one of the points here I wanted to make too. This is not even going to happen, but if Cleveland somehow ended up being an eight seed. I'm sorry, uh, Jeremy Lane is headed to Houston, it looks like. Jeremy Lane, like the... The corner that hasn't even been playing much. Yeah, Jeremy Lane. It says here, according to Ian Rapaport, sources say cornerback Jeremy Lane was informed of a trade likely going from Seahawks to the Texans in a Dwayne Brown deal. Jeremy Lane. Jeremy hasn't he been like our third? He's been our nickelback because we have that Shaquille Griffin or whatever yeah. has been our. I didn't even I thought Jeremy Lane already was traded from the Seahawks. I didn't even know he was playing this year. Yeah, so it's Jeremy Lane. I'm gonna for guess, a three-time Pro Bowler offense. I'm guessing there's going to be draft picks involved as well. Um, I Take have him. no idea, but uh, <laughs> Thomas Bray just said that has to be more than that. Draft yeah, picks. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure draft picks are involved. It says according to Ian Rappaport, um, you know, and he's well informed around the league. Sources say cornerback Jerry, Jeremy Lane has been informed of a trade. He's likely going from the Seahawks to the Texans in the Dwayne Brown deal. Phenomenal. Uh, yeah, now it's all over. Jeremy Lane for Dwayne Brown. Dane, Dane Archer just said that's epic. <laughs> like, yeah, um, Jeremy Lane. That's what this. That's according to Ian Rappaport. And no offense to Jeremy Lane. If, you, if for some reason somebody here knows Jeremy Lane, like nice cornerback. But we're talking about. And now another source for Jeremy Lane in a sixth round pick. We're talking about the same Dwayne Brown, right? Like the yeah. offensive tackle. Like he's, he's like one of the biggest stories of the offseason, the holdout, like one of the best offensive tackles in, in football. Yeah. I'm, it, Lane plus picks are coming to Houston for Dwayne Brown. Dane Archer also has the same answer. There's no way it's just Jeremy. <laughs> I mean, if it's Jeremy Lane in a six-round pick, I'll throw in a seventh just for mercy. I mean, are you, that's – Phenomenal that's, for the Seahawks. That's great. As Dane just said, that's epic. Yeah, that's. I mean, we're talking, we're talking a Seahawks team that was maybe an O lineman or two O lineman away from being a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. Dwayne Brown makes us that much more of a contender. Yeah. Just with that the can, safety for of Jeremy Lane. Yeah, I'm a little confused on that. Um, let me read these comments. Please do. Um, Devin said, "I knew he went to Seahawks, but didn't." Didn't see much of him there. I remember him more with the Saints jersey. He said, and Devin said, everybody can shoot threes now. It's insane. Michael Jordan changed the NBA. LeBron James changed the NBA. And now the Warriors yep. have changed the NBA. By the way, one of the problems with these teams, all of them that are struggling to start the year, is they're 
living and dying by the three. Yeah. Like if Cleveland figures out the three point, they're you know just get their percentages up. If the Warriors continue to get their percentage up, what's going to happen? They're going to win games. They're going to start winning games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dane said, to be honest, in the East, doesn't matter if the Cavs are a four seed; they're going to the finals. I hundred and ten percent agree. Uh, that's why it's a non-story, but it's a story at the same time. And Devin said, "True, Dane." And then Thomas said, "It has to be more than that." Draft picks. And then Devin said, "Exactly what I was thinking, Thomas." Um, and then Dane said, "That's epic." There's no way it's just Jeremy. That's that's a fucking steal. LOL. So far, it says Jeremy Lane in a six-round pick. I'm expecting that to be more than a six-round. I pick. like I like Dane's answer. That's still a fucking steal. LOL. I, it's still a steal. Give him a fourth-round pick. It's a steal. And then uh, Devin said, Texans may have taken an L. And Dane said, Dwayne Brown wants to be in Seattle. I mean, I think Dwayne Brown's going to be very happy with this. Yeah. We're talking about a guy that's going to be able to compete for a Super Bowl now and, you know, be protecting a guy like Russell Wilson and change that entire offensive line. And that offensive line that has also improved week in and week out has now taken a – I mean, what kind of step is this? Leaps and bounds and – Okay. It's not Jeremy Lin. <laughs> no, it is. Okay. Ian Rappaport now, one minute ago. Recently, the Seahawks were believed to have offered Jeremy Lane and a third-round pick for Dwayne Brown. But that was recently what they had offered. Jeremy Lane is going, but they're still not sure what the pick is. Wow. According to Ian Rappaport. Now, could Ian Rappaport be wrong? I mean, to yes. be honest, for, from my perspective, my humble perspective, I would say that's still a steal, a third-round pick in Jeremy Lane. Yep. For a, a Pro Bowl left tackle. left tackle, the most important position maybe in football, especially for a team like Seattle that had, other than Russell Wilson's quarterback rushing yards, had two rush yards this weekend um, and still managed to put up 41 points. If we got a good left tackle and we can pick up our run game and protect our quarterback, I don't know what kind of level this team can be at now. Yeah, no, absolutely. A lot of people are saying it's a third-round pick now, but... Would you still consider that a steal, George? It's a steal, and uh, everyone's laughing that. Jeremy Lane, ha, 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 all over Twitter. Yeah, that's a joke. Um, Dane said, and we couldn't be happier to have him. I agree with that. As long as it's not a first-rounder, I'm cool with it. I agree with that. I wouldn't want to give up a first-rounder in Jeremy Lane. Yeah. So I feel like at this point, Dwayne Brown wants out of Texas, out of uh, Houston. I mean, that's part of you know He obviously didn't want to be there to start the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think – if you gave them a first rounder, that would be a little bit more of like a, they didn't have that much leverage. You know, the guy, they're not going to resign him. The guy can't agree on a contract with the team. Now, do the Seahawks resign him? Um, I think they do. If he, if he, if he comes into practice, looks healthy and looks motivated. I mean, what's more important yeah, than getting a left tackle in Seattle? I mean, as long as he's good and he fits the team and yeah, you do. But I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you, you find a way to keep him. I mean, you're going to trade Jeremy Lane. I mean, better keep the guy you trade Jeremy Lane for. I can't believe it was just Jeremy Lane. Omar. Hey, what's up, Omar? What's up, Omar, Omar, a Texans fan. Texans. Said Texans wasn't going to pay him. I'm hoping it's a third round. Texan needs picks. Yeah, you better hope it's third round because yeah. we're we sent over Jeremy Lane, a subpar, below average, average, we'll say an average corner, mm-hmm. uh, and a third-round pick for Dwayne Brown. I mean, regardless if you're going to re-sign him or not, I would have stuck with him protect your rookie quarterback for a little longer. I know. Um, and Dane said, first-round picks, you got to keep or trade back for more picks. Yeah, if, I mean, if mm-hmm. it, 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 this is a win for the Seahawks. That's all I got to say. 
Yeah, they won this trade, and uh, I mean, we did not expect this news to be coming out right during our show, so I'm glad it did. Um, I think it's a big deal for Seahawks fans. I think it's a big deal for Texans fans. The rest of the country is probably like, oh, that sucks. The Seahawks got better. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, and Thomas, and Thomas updated my uh, subpar corner, or whatever. Yeah. You know, you know how he, uh, how he I'm labeled it, Thomas. Yeah. Jeremy Lane's shitty. No, he said declining, injury prone corner is wow. more of a, and that's good. That's a better way to put it. I said he was subpar average. Like he's been average, but he's a declining. Yeah, he's just no. injury prone corner, and a third round pick for a left tackle for the Seattle Seahawks yeah. team. A pro God bless. Tackle. Yeah. God bless. Great, great. Um, all right. Um, back to the NBA topic really quick for the last couple minutes. Devin said, what if LeBron meets up with Kyrie in the Eastern Conference Finals and loses to Kyrie? I'd probably eat a ball of rat poison if that happens. Well, um, I mean, that's the last thing I want is Devin eating a bowl of rat poison. So, I mean, I would be like, oh, that'd be kind of cool if Kyrie beat him because it'd be like that whole story when he goes to L.A. and blah, blah, blah. But then if Devin's going to eat rat poison, I don't want it to happen anymore. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be that happy about that story. It would be it'd be a good sports story though. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't be happy about it because I personally would prefer the other side of the story where LeBron beats him. But I mean, talk about a sports story. Yeah. That's he right. leaves, loses Hayward, goes to the conference yeah, finals and beats right. LeBron. That's a hell of a sports story. Exactly. Um, question. I'm gonna ask you um, a question that I got from Dane Archer okay. over text. I talked about this on my show last week, but with LeBron going to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say, you know, losing a couple years, making it to the finals once with the Lakers, beat the Warriors once in L.A., hurt or help his legacy compared to being in Cleveland where he could go to the finals probably year in and year out for five years? Uh, so you missed this on my show, and I don't think uh, people are realizing how eminent I believe this is actually going to be. I think if he's in Cleveland, it's no more guaranteed trips to the finals after next season because I think the NBA is going to change the conference to seed one through 16. Brian Windhorst said his sources say that Adam Silver and the NBA will never, he said this last week, will never consider the one through 16 because the Eastern Conference teams right now would be pissed and the, the whole, uh, for like money purposes, a lot of people would be pissed. Okay. I, I mean, that's Brian Windhorst's sources. Uh, Adam Silver on Mike and Mike the other day said they are looking into it and they would consider it if it's the best thing for the league. So I don't know. But I think that I actually believe that's something that's gonna happen. I think it should happen. I'm yeah. just saying off. Brian Wurstler has some serious sources. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, I don't think they're gonna ever play out their hand either and tell people what they're gonna do right now. I think they're gonna deny, deny, deny as much as they can. Or they'll have a new format that somewhat is East and West that mm-hmm. adds more teams or like cuts it down. Does like maybe cuts it to six and six and then adds teams that yeah maybe like the, the next division, best records division. Winners are automatically in the playoffs as interseeded one, two, three, four, five. And then it's the rest of the teams with the best records. Yeah, instead of something East like West. that. So I, that's why I think if LeBron going west doesn't necessarily mean he's going to less finals than staying east. Yeah. Uh, and this is what I told Dane, though, about the legacy question, right? There's a couple options. It's better for his legacy if he, let's say, happened to stay in Cleveland and win compared to go to L.A. and not win, right? But... There's nothing that could be better for this guy's legacy than to go to L.A., be the best player on that team, and, and win, win a championship. championship. He would be the first time, first NBA player ever. Like, there's not even you can't even argue this to go, to to lead three franchises as the best player yep. to titles. Hundred percent. And 
we're not just talking through. This is a very unique opportunity, dude. Think about this. I'm actually starting to like the idea of LA LeBron because, like, that's unique as hell. He would have led, like, the new school, cool organization of the Miami Heat, who just in the 2000s have started to become this. Cool. culturally like big de- destination like right. Dwayne Wade started that and LeBron went there won two, two championships and LeBron kind of made Miami that hot destination mm-hmm. you know because there's been people like Shaq to go there and other people to go there but LeBron kind of confirmed the fact that it's a hot free agent destination yeah. and ever since LeBron went there people have been talking about Miami's a hot free agent destination 100%. and then you would have also the hometown story of everything LeBron back in his hometown in Cleveland, comes back from Miami and wins a championship, the first championship in the franchise history for his hometown. And the first time his hometown has won a championship in, what, 56 years, whatever, 62 years. And then just to end it all, he's like, okay, I'll go to L.A. and add to what Kobe, Shaq, Kareem, Kareem, Magic, and all did. The only other thing that would be just as cool is if he went to New York and won a championship for the Knicks. But if he goes to Miami or L.A. and wins a championship, could there ever be a cooler a cooler player story. You can still say Jordan's better than him, whatever you want. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. No, it'd be, but like, it'd be the greatest thing in history for his legacy. That's yeah, all. even if it just ended with four championships, but he had two in Miami, one in Cleveland, one in L.A. for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Absolutely. What better could we talk about for a man's legacy? 100%. But that being said, guys, uh, we got to sign off. But um, – let me read a couple comments real read quick. A couple comments real quick. Um, Devin said those East teams need to pick up their game. Um, Dane said he did say they're looking into it, and Devin said I feel like he will leave after this year. After this year, we're looking at a lot of NBA changes. I agree with George. I will say this: Adam Silver has done a great job mm-hmm. of being like, "Yeah, we need this fixed. Let's fix it." Exactly. Like I'm not. He's not trying to fight what needs to be fixed. Um, Omar said, "Put Boston." Cleveland, Miami, New York, and Toronto in the West and put the rest of the teams in the G League. I like that. Uh, not happening, though. Um, Devin said, and he was down 3-1 in that championship. Dane said, like, is LeBron going to the finals the next three years in a row? Really exciting. I think going to L.A. and being able to bring one ring there would be so epic. It really would. I agree. That's more important than going to the finals every year. Mm-hmm. William King says, yo, yo, William. William, you missed show just ended. Show. Uh, Welcome in. But don't forget, the show also um, the show starts at three o'clock Pacific time, six o'clock Eastern. Yep. Today we had a little. Um, and then uh, Omar said he's chasing Jordan's legacy. He'll never reach it or pass it. And Devin said, and then you woke up, Omar. Um, he does have a chance to. I I don't think he will either. Okay, but. Do you think he will never reach or pass it? You don't think there's a chance? He, I didn't there's say there's a chance. no chance. I'm just I'm betting that he doesn't. Um, what time in Texas is the show? If it's three o'clock, five, five o'clock Pacific time or five o'clock Texas time, mm-hmm. ask ask Devin and Omar. What time did we start? If it's three o'clock, five o'clock. So five o'clock Texas time. Um, also, last but not least, before we sign off, um, the Seahawks trade Jeremy Lane. A 2018 fifth round pick. Fifth round, okay. And a 2019 second round pick okay. to the Texans um, for Dwayne Brown. I am completely and utterly fine with that trade. Me too. All right. Stay cool, America. Peace. 
Farmers Insurance knows that there's a not-so-subtle difference between the sound of a car hitting your rear bumper and the sound of a clown car hitting your rear bumper. Whoa, 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 whoa! Sorry about that. It's a balloon animal. Add my information. We call that a three-ring fender bender, and we covered it. At Farmers... They know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two. <laughs> Click for more. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.